Welcome, everyone, uh, to Mosaic Christian Fellowship. It's great to see uh, all of you, some of you back for the first time in a long time, some of you here for the very first time. Welcome. Uh, my name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it's really great to come together and to worship together. If you're joining us online, uh, I hope you had a great week. I'm glad you're here joining us. Um, I want to encourage you, uh, those who have not made your way back to church yet, I do want to encourage you to come and worship with us in person. It's such a different experience, and it's a great way uh, for us to see one another again after a long time in the pandemic. Uh, today's word comes from uh, Romans 3, and I want to read you Romans 3, verses 21 to 26. Um, if you have your Bibles at home, um, it's also on the screen, uh, read with me this really powerful passage that God has given to us in Romans 3, talking about faith, uh, which is our topic today. This is the word of the Lord, living and active, ready to speak to us, heal us, cut us deep, and then put us back together again. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. And it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he may be just and justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. <clears throat> Today's kind of a special Sunday. We have a discipleship graduation. I'll talk about this a little bit later after the sermon, but discipleship is so core to what we want to do here at Mosaic. We're not here to just gather and come together like this in a big group, but the core of the heartbeat of what we want to do at Mosaic is we want to make disciples, real followers of Jesus, not church attenders, but people who will really follow Jesus in the way that they live in the faith. And so we're gonna to get to that after the sermon. But before that, we're going to continue in our Gospel Clarity series. If you're joining us for the first time all summer, we've been looking at the Gospel and trying to look at the Gospel from different angles um, and to try to see the Gospel in full. And today, uh, we have another angle of the Gospel. If you're here for the first time and you're not a Christian, and I know for a fact that some of you are not, because I know some of you personally, I'm so glad you're here to worship with us. The gospel is the good news of what God has done to save sinners and bring them into a relationship with him. It's what he did to save. It's not what we did or what we're commanded to do. It's what God has done in Jesus Christ to bring us to salvation. That's why it's called good news. Now, the question that I want to ask today is if the gospel is good news and the good news of something that somebody else did, of what Jesus did, it's not about what you did. If that's the case, then how do we connect to that? How do we connect to the gospel if it's something that somebody else did? You see, a lot of people think Christianity is about what you do, but the core of the gospel is what Jesus did. So if it's something that Jesus did, how in the world do we benefit from that? 
We've talked about a lot of things this summer. We've talked about adoption, election. We've talked about um, regeneration and reconciliation. These are all the things that we get in the gospel, but then how do we connect to it? Today's um, angle of the gospel tells us how. How we connect to what Jesus did is by faith. And today we talk about faith. Now, you would think that faith is a pretty simple subject. It's actually much more complicated than you think. Um, Once you start talking about faith, you realize, oh, I hadn't thought about it in that way. But faith is how we connect to the gospel, and faith is how we receive the gospel. And today I want to show you that in four parts. Okay, There are four parts of saving faith that I want to talk to you guys about. First, we have to know that saving faith, the kind of faith that actually saves us, and the kind of faith that actually helps us to receive the gospel, is the kind of faith that has the true object of faith, Jesus Christ. Secondly, faith is by faith alone. The only kind of faith that saves is a kind of faith that believes in faith alone. Thirdly, it has to be personal. And lastly, it has to be alive. I know it seems like a lot, but we're going to get through all of that one by one. Today, um, we're going to get through uh, the the actual points fairly quickly, and and through it, I hope to show you what saving faith in Jesus Christ is. If you're here for the first time and you're not a Christian, great, great Sunday to be here. Let's pray together. Father, I uh, pray that the gospel would become clear and that faith will become clear. And I especially want to pray for those who are in this room who do not know who the Lord Jesus Christ is. If they're here and, and, and they think they know or they feel like they know and they don't really know, I pray that today you would make it clear because this knowledge is what changes our life. And I pray that it would come alive for some of us today by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to start by asking the question, what is faith generally, and reading you from uh, verses 21 and 22 again. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. What is faith? Uh, The word faith can be a little bit in some ways convoluted because when we think faith, sometimes we think about world faiths or groups of faiths. We think about institutional faith. We think about the Muslim people, the Jews. We think about uh, the Buddhists. We think about different groups. And so sometimes the idea of faith generally is hard to reach. But, you know, one word that may help us to understand what faith is generally is simply the word trust. The word trust, faith at the core of it, at the most foundational bottom part of it, is just about trust. And we all live with faith because we all have to live this life with trust. You can't live your life without faith. In some ways, we all, whether you know Jesus or you don't know Jesus, you have to have trust. You trusted in the chair that you, you sat in, that that chair is not going to give up on you. You had trust that when you walked into this room that there would be oxygen in here so that you could be here. You all had trust um, that, well, the breakfast that you ate this morning was not poison. That it's something that you could ingest and you could be okay. When you drive home and you drove here today, you had faith that your brakes aren't going to give up on you and that you would be safely arriving to church. We all live with trust and faith. You can't live without it. But saving faith 
is a specific kind of faith where it's trust in Jesus Christ to save you and to believe that Jesus Christ is the way to be saved. Uh, Tony Evans, he's a pastor, and he said that faith, very simply, is just a trust that um, God is telling the truth. It's just a trust that God is telling the truth. And so I live my life accordingly. So for example, I believe that what God is telling me about how I treat people is true. I trust him. And so I treat people according to the way that God tells me to treat people. I believe that what he tells us about our career and our work is true. I trust him. And therefore, I take a view of my salvation and my career and my work in a way that is according to what he said. It comes down to trust. Faith, saving faith, is to trust that Jesus Christ is telling the truth. And that means that in order for your faith to be a true saving faith, the object of your faith is super, super important. What you believe and who you believe is really, really important in order for it to be saving faith. Um, I'm going to ask my brother Danny to come up, and uh, let's all give him a, a, a round of encouragement. Um, this is, I mean, you guys know me. This is not something I normally do, um, but actually Danny's going to come up. Come up, Danny. He has no idea what's about to happen. Um, I just, I asked him in the middle of worship, hey, can you help me with something? And he said yes. And so Danny is here. Uh, Danny is an awesome brother in Christ. Um, he's in, you're still in college. No, you're out of college. Yeah, he's out of college now. Um, and uh, he's a great brother in Christ. And I'm going to ask him to do something. I'm going to ask you to do a trust fall. Have you ever done a trust fall, Danny? Okay. So we're going to do a trust fall, and you're going to do it with me. Okay? So here's how you do it. I want you to stand here. And I want you to cross your arms, and I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to just lean back on your heels. Is your back okay? What? Is your back okay? My back's fine. My back's fine. I picked you. There you go. Great job, Danny. Great job. No, you're not done. Great. He did a great job, right? And now I want to introduce you to somebody else. Mia, can you come up? This is my daughter, Mia. Um, she's going to be six years old on Tuesday. Okay? And now we're going to do another trust fall. And, um, and Mia's going to catch you. Okay? So can you turn around? Okay, Mia, ready? Arms out. Okay. Then you ready? Here we go. On the... On the count of three, okay? Ready? One, two, three. <laughs> Great job, okay. Great job, Mia. Great job, Danny. Thank you. He's smart, right? <laughs> it's a fun little illustration that we're going to really juice out for the rest of the sermon. Um, this, the whole, why did I do that? The whole point of that was to talk to you about the object of faith. You know, the object of faith is everything. Some of us believe that in the arena of faith, all that really matters is sincerity. All we need to do is sincerely believe, and that's, it, that's enough. 
But what the Lord tells us is that sincerity alone does not save. Some of you have neighbors who are Muslim. Some of you have neighbors who are Jewish. Some of you have neighbors who are atheists. And they are some of the nicest, friendliest people that you know in your life. And sometimes you wonder, how is it that my Muslim neighbor, whom I love, and my Muslim neighbor who is so kind and loving and in many ways a better person than a lot of Christians I know, how is it that my neighbor who's Muslim, Jewish, Buddhist, atheist, how are they not saved when they have such a beautiful heart? Do you guys have neighbors like that? I have neighbors like that too. Um, they're, they're really great, great people. They're sincere people, and some of them have a sincere faith. But I wanted to show you in that trust fall that the object of your faith matters tremendously. You may have a deep, sincere faith in something, but if that thing is not trustworthy, then no matter how sincere your faith is, it cannot catch you. It cannot save you. The first thing about saving faith that we need to know is that saving faith only saves if it has the right object of faith. You see, Danny fell when I was behind him because he knew I could catch him. <laughs> but with Mia, you know, he's smart not to fall on Mia. Do you know why? Because she's 40 pounds soaking wet. And there's no way that she's going to catch him. Okay, he was right not to trust in her. Now, what if he stood up here and he had a deep sincerity that my little girl, Mia, could catch him. And he went back, right? And he leaned back. What would happen? He would be black and blue. He'd be messed up, and so would Mia. And she's had a rough couple of weeks to begin with. Um, because the object of the faith is not trustworthy. You see, it's not by sincerity alone that we are saved. I know you love your neighbor, but it's the object of the faith that determines whether we will be saved, caught, or not. You guys know the song that I love, to the only God who is able to keep me from falling. To the only God who is able to keep me from falling. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If some of you are not Christian here and you're wondering why is it that Christians believe that it must be in Jesus alone in order to be saved. It's because the object of the faith matters. Our faith must be in the one person who can catch us, the Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing about faith is that not only does the object of the faith matter, but it must be faith and faith alone. Let's read verses 21 to 22 again. It says this, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested or shown to us or offered to us or given to us apart from the law, apart from any works that we can do. The righteousness of God has been offered to us in that way, apart from the law, apart from work, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. Jesus, it's, he tells us through here that Paul says that saving faith is only through faith and that's the only thing that can save you. I hate cash-only restaurants. 
And one of the reasons is I used to lose my wallet all the time. I used to, like, chronically lose my wallet. And uh, people used to tell me, just do the, the three-point check that every guy does when they leave the house, right? Which is what? Keys, wallet, phone, right? And I used to do that, and I used to still chronically lose my wallet all the time. And it was so annoying. The worst parts are not the cash, but it's like you have to go and renew your driver's license, and you have to go and get another credit card. Once I lost our church credit card, and I had to cancel that, and that, that was a terrible experience. And I hated carrying wallets. And so I found um, this neat little phone cover where in the phone cover you could just put in your credit cards. And ever since I got that phone cover, I haven't lost my driver's license or credit cards. I haven't lost it since I bought that case. And it's been great. Uh, except there's no place for cash. There's no place for me to carry cash. And so I don't carry cash. My favorite bagel place is in Pow Park, and it's called Boulevard Bagels. And I think they make the best bagels in the area, right? Um, I'm up for challenge if you know a better place for bagels, but I think they make the best bagels. And I used to love going there after morning prayer, but I would go there and I would always forget cash only. Right? Cash only. And I'd be sitting there hungry and looking at those beautiful bagels, unable to eat those bagels with bacon, egg, and cheese, a little bit of ketchup and hot sauce, because uh, I didn't have cash. Cash only. No cash, no bagels. Romans 3 tells us, salvation is by faith only. Faith only. No faith, no salvation. God offers to us salvation by faith only. And yet, there are lots of people in this world, and maybe you're one of them, who believe that you can be saved by your own works. What you can do, and you believe that your works have some sort of uh, spiritual currency in heaven, that your works have some sort of spiritual currency with God. But the news that we get in Romans 3 is that your works have no currency with God. No faith, no salvation. I want to make that very, very clear, that when we go to heaven and we see the Lord Jesus Christ, I kind of imagine, I don't know, I picture an angel coming to check to see why you should have entrance into salvation or not. It's probably because I recently saw the movie The Terminal. And if you've ever seen that movie The Terminal with Tom Hanks, it's a great movie. Story is he's stuck in the airport and he can't get out. His old country doesn't exist. He doesn't have any right to go into the U.S. So the only place he's allowed to be is JFK. <laughs> And he's stuck there at the terminal until his old country figures it out or he gets rights to the United States of America. Every day he goes to the place where he gains access. And there are two stamps. There's a red stamp and a green stamp. The green stamp gives you access to the United States and the red stamp denies it. And every time he goes, he gets the red stamp because he has no right to enter the United States of America, he doesn't have the documentation or the privilege or the rights. I imagine in heaven when we go, there are going to be a ton of people who believe they can gain access to salvation by works. I think there are going to be a lot of people who believe that. 
And I can imagine a conversation in heaven where somebody asks, so you've come for salvation. Why do you believe you could get in? There's going to be a lot of people saying the same thing. I've done a pretty good job. I've taken care of my parents who were elderly. I provided for my kids. I loved my wife. I didn't gamble. wasn't a drunk. I did my best. I think God would be pretty pleased. What stamp do they get? Red stamp every time. He says, I'm sorry. We don't take works here. We do not take works here. Your works have no currency for salvation. And I imagine the angel hitting a sign that says, look, faith only. Faith only. The reason for that is because the only works that actually hold any currency with our Father are the works of our Lord Jesus Christ. His works were the only works that were done with perfect intention, with the perfect heart, with the perfect execution, the perfect love. Let's read Romans 3, uh, verse 23 to 25 again. Here's the reason, brothers and sisters, why it's not cash only, but faith only. And here's why your works don't work. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Because we've sinned, our currency is marred. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I know you may have loved your wife, but all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You may have loved your children, but you fall short of the glory of God. But here is how salvation is offered to us in verse 24. Listen, here is the currency that works. 24, we are justified by his grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, by whom God put forward, he put forward as propitiation. I know that's a big word. It means sacrifice. It means his currency works, his payment works, okay? He put Jesus Christ forward as propitiation by his blood, the blood of Christ at the cross, to be received by you by faith. Jesus' works are the only works that have any currency with God, and how do we receive his works? We receive his works by faith by having trust in the right person of Jesus Christ, that his works are enough. The third part of saving faith is not only do we have to believe that and understand that and know that, it has to be ours. We have to receive it personally. It has to be a personal faith. We have to believe that it was for me. I know that there are a lot of people who grew up in the church and you've learned the ABCs of the gospel. But I know that some people are still not saved. And the reason for that is that although they can actually number the ABCs of the gospel, they don't actually believe that it was for them. In order that the gospel save, it has to be personal to you in your heart. This week, Jeff Bezos went into space. July 20th, he went into space. And uh, he went into space because he's a very rich man. He's got a space company. And so he put on the seatbelts and he went into space. 
I think he, um, it could, I could be wrong, but he very um, significantly went into space July 20th. And I think it's significant because July 20th, 1969, Neil Armstrong landed on the moon on July 20th, 1969. And so Jeff Bezos, July 20th, 2021, enters into space. But I don't know about you, but it did not have the same effect for me as when Neil Armstrong landed, in space, landed on the moon. And here's the reason why for me. You guys might love Bezos. I'm sure he's a fine guy. But for me, the narrative that I got when Bezos went into space was that he was going for him, that he was rich, and this was his dream, and he could do it. And so Bezos went to space. Neil Armstrong, 1969, on the same date, July 20th, when he landed on the moon, what did he say? One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. You see, there was a sense in which Armstrong was putting his foot on the moon for us. Bezos was in space for him. That's what makes the difference when it comes to saving faith. Jesus Christ on the cross, I know many of you know what he was doing, but was it for you? Was it for your sins? Was it for your salvation? Is he on the cross for your sake? If not, if all you can do is you can repeat the tenets of the gospel, but you don't believe it was for you, my brother, my sister, you have not received by faith. Jesus is on the cross for you. And when it's personal, it becomes saving. It becomes saving. That's how we connect to saving faith. We have to have the true object of our trust. It must be in Jesus. Number two, it must be faith alone and not trying to bring the currency of your works for salvation. And lastly, it must be personal in order for it to save. Lastly, it has to be alive. If your faith is true, then your faith has to be alive, living, and sincere. This is where sincerity comes into play. You know how Danny was up here and he fell on me? Um, and you saw the difference between when I was here and when Mia was here. Imagine if Danny stood up here for the first moment and he said, Pastor Dave, I trust you could catch me. But then he just stood there, right, with his arms crossed, and I'm waiting for him. And he says, no, I believe that you can catch me. And he explained to me the science of it. I believe that you weigh a lot more than me. Right? And um, accidentally, by the way, I don't mean to weigh more than him, but um, you weigh more than me. I, I, I know that you're, you're strong enough to catch me, and I, I, I know these things. Can I go sit back down? And he doesn't fall. Now, he might be able to understand why I'm an object of trust that's worthy, trustworthy. He might be able to understand it, but he lacks a living, sincere faith because he won't fall. Some of you here today 
are able to explain why Jesus is trustworthy, but you're not living a life trusting in him. You have a sincere trust, a living faith in money. You know what it can do. You fall on money over and over and over again, and you let money catch you because you believe in money with all your heart. And you have a living faith in money. But many of us, we don't have a living faith in the Lord Jesus Christ because we never fall back on him in our lives. But you can explain every bit of the gospel to me. James would tell us that the demons have great theology, but the difference between demons and Christians is although the demons may be able to teach every theology class and every seminary that you may attend, they will never fall on Jesus. They'll never fall on him because although they know him, they will never trust him. James says even the demons know that. Do you have living faith? Is it alive? You see, Romans, Galatians, Hebrews, you see it over and over again. What does it say? The righteous live by faith. The righteous can explain faith? No. The righteous live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. They shall have a faith that's alive, that they every day use. The righteous shall live by faith. So I want to ask you, what does the sermon mean for you this week? One of the things I think that it should mean is that we should check, how do I live by faith? What are the things that you do in your life that you would never do if Jesus was not real? What are some of the things that you would do and not do if Jesus was not real? What do you do only because Jesus is real? What do you do only because he's saved you? What do you forgive in your spouse only because Jesus forgave you? If Jesus wasn't alive, if Jesus didn't forgive me, I would never forgive you for that. Who do you love only because Jesus is real? that you would never associate with this person. Like, why would you unless Jesus was real? What do you give financially? And to whom do you give financially? Only because Jesus is real. That, my brothers and sisters, is called living by faith. Those are your faith things. The righteous shall live by faith. Things that without faith would make no sense to you, but with Jesus alive, make total sense to you. What are those things for you? Let me give you 10 seconds to think about it. I think that many of you, after you think about it, might conclude, I do have some things, but I wish I had more things. I have some things, but they're pretty small, and I wish they were bigger. 
I know I probably wouldn't come to church or small group, but maybe I would because the people are so nice. I think that many of us would conclude that I have some things, but I wish I had more things. In other words, you're saying, I do believe, but I wish I believed more. Or in the words of one man who went up to Jesus, who said, Lord, I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. Help me with my unbelief. Because although I sense there is faith in me, I sense a whole lot of disbelief as well. If that's you, and I think that might be many of you, I want to give you some good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that your faith that you have, the faith that you might have detected is really tiny like a mustard seed, that faith is a gift. It was given to you. You didn't come up with it. You didn't make, make it. You did not manufacture it. That was given to you as a gift. And if it's a gift, no matter how small it is now, it will surely grow. The Lord Jesus Christ if he has died for you and you have the germinating seeds of faith, the good news of the gospel is that the work he began in you, he will bring to completion. Living faith grows. And I know that it may be a little bit discouraging when you take account of what you have, but imagine if I stood up here and I said now that the sermon is over, now it's your job to increase your faith. It's all up to you now. That would be terrible news. That would not be gospel. But the gospel is, brothers and sisters, that the little faith that you have is from the Lord. And if it's alive, it will, it will grow. Ephesians 2, 8 to 6 says this. For by grace you have been saved. Through faith. But remember, it's grace. By grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your doing. Do you know that? This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God not a result of work, so that nobody here could boast at Mosaic about how big your faith is. He takes full responsibility, incorporates you into growing this faith, but he promises that the work he began in you, he will finish. That is the good news of the gospel. And so, knowing that this week, my brothers and sisters, live by faith. What are the things that you still can't give up to the Lord? What are the things that you can't fall back on Jesus about? You look back and you think that Jesus is a lot like Mia. You just can't do it. Is it your finances? Is it your family? You just can't forgive? You just can't forgive. Brothers and sisters, today the Lord is saying to you, live by faith and I will be there to catch you. I promise I'll be there to catch you because that little faith that you have, it's a gift. And if it's a gift, it holds a promise that I will be faithful. In Joshua 3, the people of God are passing into Canaan. And this is not Egypt. This is not the Red Sea. They're passing into Canaan. And they're about to live by faith in this new land that he has prepared for them. You've, they've spent the time in the wilderness and they're about to go into Canaan. And they're about to start to live by faith. But the first thing that happens before they're crossing over in Joshua 3.13, 
God tells the priests of the Lord to go first. Carry the Ark of the Covenant and go first. But I'm sure the question is, uh, there's a river. <laughs> like, how are we supposed to go? How are we supposed to get over there? Like, build a bridge? What are we supposed to do? We have to carry the Ark of the Covenant. And this is what happens in Joshua 3.13. When the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, when their feet shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. He says, when you stick your foot in the water, I'll hold back the waters for you. What's that supposed to remind them of? It's supposed to remind them of the Red Sea. That when Moses and his people were standing before the Red Sea, that God pulled back the waters and he saved them. And he says, now that you are going to live by faith, I want to remind you, just as I was there at the Red Sea, I will be with you. Walk by faith. The righteous shall live by faith, and I promise I'll catch you. When you lack faith, remember the Lord Jesus Christ. He was with you, and he did all the work to save you and to bring you into his grace. Won't he be with you with your finances? Won't he catch you in your marriage? Won't he catch you in these relationships? My brothers and sisters, live by faith. Let the Lord catch you. And tell testimonies of how walking by faith is not only true, but powerful. Today, during our discipleship graduation, you'll hear some of these testimonies. But I encourage each one of you, live by faith. Let's go to him in prayer together as we close. We're going to pray about two things, and the first thing I would like you to pray about is to come before him and to ask, Lord, the righteous shall live by faith. How do you want me to live by faith? And come to him in a time of prayer and confession. And let's begin to pray that the Lord would help us to walk and live by faith. Secondly, um, I'm going to do something that's faith for me, that if Jesus wasn't real, I'd never do it. And at this time, I'm going to ask you guys to all keep your um, heads bowed. And if you are here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, and you are not a Christian, and you haven't had faith ever, that after hearing the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that today you would like to receive him as the object of your faith, that you want to say, I trust Jesus for salvation and life, that I want to trust that what God says is true. 
if for the very first time you would like to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, I would like you to slip up your hand to receive Jesus today as telling the truth as your Lord and Savior. If today you'd like to receive him, the Lord sees and he knows. Won't you slip up your hand and I'll pray for you. to God. Father, the righteous shall live by faith. And today we learn what faith is. We want to trust that you are the only way and that you're telling the truth and that you are God who gave us faith as a gift to trust and to receive salvation by faith alone and also to make it personal. That Christ died for me. I pray, O oh Lord, help us now to live in it this week to think about how the righteous me shall live by faith this week. Father, empower us as we go into this week, as we receive your word and now receive the praises of people who have been shown grace by faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all rise and respond to the Lord. Uh, with the song of faith together.